So, here we are outside Glasgow Women's Library. Yeah, I'm just great. So excited. Thank you. Well, thanks for bringing me. I'm just really excited to show you around the place, and it's fantastic. It's not a very great day. It's a bit bleak and rainy and wet, but inside it's so warm and it's so comforting and lovely. I hope you're going to like it as much as I do. I think I'm going to like it. I was, I was sort of shocked, I guess, by the location a little bit. I came down the street and I thought, am I, am I in the right place? Then I saw the artwork and obviously the big sign, and I thought, yes, and the lovely carvings all along the building it's a very grand building isn't it like it's not it doesn't match the rest of the street i think it stands out nicely yes it's, it's, you, you kind of would never suspect that there was this trove of treasures <laughs> at the end of a wee street like this landressy street i mean the flagpole is pretty extraordinary so if you see that big flagpole yeah. sticking out you get a bit of an indication that you're in for something special <laughs> yeah, don't you? and the sandstone is pretty opulent and 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 delicious looking these these pillars and columns it's really extraordinary but it's the last thing that you expect at the end of this wee street i mean you've just got wee parked cars here you've got a news agent at the bottom of the street you've got a kind of run down broken down car park street opposite us and then you've got a whole load of flats around us yeah. modern flats mixed with with old red uh, sandstone so it's really it's a real mixture of an area bridgeton and Isn't the last it? thing you think is here i mean people come out of their way to get here yeah and it's nice being a wee bit opulent because it makes you feel a bit special when you're coming in i like that as well and my mum's been telling me to come here for years but the only thing i know about it is that she's been in last year to check that they've got my book (laughs) (laughs) good for her well i came in here the other day with my mum and it was great because i got her in the wheelchair no bother just up this ramp yeah and straight through the doors and the whole place felt fantastic for her in her wheelchair which is actually quite tricky to find places that are really accessible yeah but it is all right let's go in shall we go yeah let's go I'm Jackie Kay, the Scots Macker, National Poet of Scotland, and today I'm with Holly McNeish, one of my best-loved fellow poets at my favourite museum, the Glasgow Women's Library. We're looking at a number of glass shelves, and on these glass shelves are various different old booklets and leaflets, Uh um, all relating to things like women's oppression and class, Dyke's Disability and Stuff, I Am Your Sister, Black Women Organising Across Sexualities by Audre Lorde. And I remember that. I mean, that's an amazing um, pamphlet to have available. That's 1985. I've got that in my house. Have you? Yeah, I've got that one in my house. She was a really good friend of mine, Audre Lorde. Um, but, but it's really unusual to get to see that. I mean, these are, these are all worth an awful lot of money now because some of these old feminist, I guess you might not even call it memorabilia, but... Um, uh, in, in, uh, archives really uh-huh. are so hard to get hold of now that people collect them like collecting old badges from the 70s it's such a good thing to have as soon as you come in isn't it because you realize it's about all women basically it's very inclusive like as soon as you walk in and look at it so yeah. already before we're even into the main we're in the lobby really the rather posh lobby <laughs> yeah. we're in the lobby and already even in the lobby before we've gone through the main doors of the library we get a sense of the library's personality Hello, I'm Jackie Kay. And I'm Holly McNish. And this is Meet Meet Me Me at at the the Museum. Museum. (laughs) Hello. I don't want to interrupt you in the middle of that. I just went, (gasps) (laughs) I've just bumped into Alison Thulis, basically, who. Wow, I just think you're brilliant. Yeah, I think you're brilliant as well. I kind of walked in there and went, what's, what's going on? <laughs> Why is Holly McNish outside the library? That's quite strange. So I'm Alison Thulis, MP for Glasgow Central. 
and I just did my surgery across the other road and popped into handing a surgery poster. So I'm about to go in, Jackie Kay is introducing me to it, kind of for the first time. It sounds a bit like a, uh, a date question, but do you come here often? <laughs> <laughs> just wondering. Oh, I come here as often as I can, I love it. It used to be just an ordinary library and there was always a kind of wee crew of people who would come in and have cups of tea and hang out and now it feels as though people are coming from much further but it's just as homely and it's lovely and you go in and give people give you cups of tea and you can sit and pick your way through whatever books are there or chat away and it's just really nice and really welcoming all the time. I've heard a lot of mention of the tea so far. I'm sort of looking forward to that Well, I got, well. I got as far as the desk there, handed in the poster and somebody offered me a cup of tea. It makes you feel so welcome, doesn't it? Because sometimes people are intimidated by spaces. Well, any sort of art spaces mm. or well, any spaces really to go into. So yeah. the idea that people are like, as soon as you get in, do you want a cup yeah. of tea? Oh, great. Nice to bump into you. <laughs> There's a lot of people from the outside uh, wouldn't have a clue that there is an upstairs to this library and it's sort of uh, another big surprise because uh-huh. you come in up the stairs and you go through these double uh, wooden doors into the community room. Nice. I'll open them for you. It's massive up here, isn't it? This was the men's reading room. Oh, yeah, the gentlemen's, yeah. The gentlemen's reading room. So where was the, the ladies' reading room, as they called the, it? What bit was that? That was downstairs in the office where we see people working, so it's much, oh, much smaller. Isn't it? And, and this is a, it's such a lovely place to sit. Just yeah. massive windows. And they, in 1906, would have had an altogether different view out of this window than, than the view that we have right now, which is of all these different really modern-looking uh, pinkish-coloured brick flats. I really um, love and feel passionate about Glasgow Women's Library. It's one of my favourite places and one of my favourite museums and libraries anywhere in the country. And I'm partly passionate about it because it's the only place, Holly, in the whole of the UK that is absolutely committed to preserving uh, women's history. And so in this library, you'll find all sorts of things that have been hidden from view. Uh-huh. They might have been in plain sight, but people don't know about them and they're hidden from view. And so you keep coming across one surprise after another. And you realise just how skewed history has been for us. And I really admire the commitment and creativity of all the people that are involved in this project because I knew them from their earliest incarnation yeah. um, in, their, in their first building. So just to see them finally to get these absolutely magnificent premises and to just be here, sat next to you, I really wanted to share the place with you because I knew that you hadn't been before and I yeah. knew it would be a first time because I really admire your poetry, one of my favourite poets, because you're passionate about writing about women and motherhood. I just thought you'd love it. I can't think of a better way to be to be brought here for the first time than by by you because I feel exactly the same and I sometimes oh, I'm stupidly funny about going to some museums but this is it's just so lovely and welcoming from the minute that you come in isn't it and so different it's just shocking to think it is the only place in the UK dedicated to that yeah writing so much about being a woman and women's history and I'm surrounded by such brilliant women and men talking about women's history that sort of stepping outside that world and realizing how skewed it is so the idea of coming in here like just the amount that I could learn in here I think is so exciting fascinating
Hiya. Hiya. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Holly. My name's Gabrielle. Uh, welcome to Glasgow Women's Library. I'm, I'm the volunteer coordinator here, and um, I'm going to tell you a bit more about Glasgow Women's Library. Oh, I like your T-shirt. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> What's it say? Sisterhood is powerful. Sisterhood is powerful. It's perfect. I was really interested to know about this building from the outside because I know that it used to be the library and there was mm. a kind of a, a women's room and a, ma- and a men's room, reading room and so on. But I'm just wondering about the, the period and the, the whole look of the place if you could tell us just a little bit about the, the building. Yeah, I can. So yeah, you're right. It was built as a library in I think 1906. Um, it was one of the Carnegie Foundation libraries. And it's quite, yeah, it's quite imposing, but hopefully not in a scary way. What we really want is for people to feel welcome and get to come in. But yeah, so it's, it's, you know, it's an old building in a street of otherwise, yeah, quite newly built houses. Um, but the inside of the library, we've kept quite a lot of the original features. I especially love these, these windows because they're so beautiful. I love windows inside buildings where you can see through to other parts of the building because it gives you the impression that you're getting to see something that you maybe shouldn't be seeing. I mean, there, there's everybody at work in the office and there's just something very beautiful about these um, arched windows and against that lovely dark wood, there's these beautiful semicircles. But right un- under the window... Um, and on this wooden floor, we've got this intriguing part of an exhibition <laughs> and artwork here by Hannah Leighton Boyce. And it's kind of really pretty difficult to describe. I'll leave that to you. Hannah is an artist who did a residency with us. And one of the things that she, I remember Hannah doing a lot, was sitting with us at lunch at the round table that's behind me, where we sit and have our cups of tea and chat. And, and I think she's reproduced that the circle with these concentric these circles of jars i think i'm a bit i'm not so experienced in coming to museums i don't think if i'm being perfectly honest and i'm always quite intimidated when i come into spaces and there's art that i don't understand i don't I, want to ask because I can it looks some, really I can rude. Say some stuff about it yeah i'd love um, because, I'd love you because to. um this particular piece of work which you can see in front of us is, is basically lots and lots of jars that are a kind of turquoise c- colour and these wires connecting them all in circles, a circle within a circle within a circle within a circle connected by red, yellow and white um, electrical wires yeah. and they're made of copper and zinc and salt. One of the ways to interpret it is that everything is connected. And the two artists actually both worked with salt in different ways. The way that salt works in the human body, the uh-huh. way that you, when you cry, you cry salt tears, but oh, that we nice. need salt when you, when you sweat, you sweat salt. Um, when you're a mother, you're, you, you know, you, you, the other artist did a lot of work around motherhood, but they're basically responding through these elements, really, to our, our world. And this I find particularly inspiring and exciting because it's just like we're all connected. <sighs> yeah, and it's, is it still, it's still reacting, though? Like there's a chemical yeah, reaction so they, going on? If you stand yeah. over them, you might hear them... You might hear them fizz. Oh, um, really? What I, what I like about them is that they're, all just, they're generating a current and they're powering this um, strip of LED lights. And Oh, they're mm. powering the lights. Yeah, so they're all generating this. <laughs> they're a current. And I quite like the, you know, the thought that it kind of can symbolise the team and everyone who's involved with Glasgow Women's Library because we are all generating our little current and working together to kind of power something that's that's bigger so the current's um, just coming from them well yeah. I, I love the fact that there's no barrier but I like the fact that you can sort of mm. go and like you're saying about the fizzing 
that I'm, I'm probably going to get down on my knees in a minute and try and try and listen to it. Oh, yeah, you can. When I was pregnant, salt and rocks and metal, all these, like, sort of, I guess, elements of the earth, I, I had sort of a craving for them. Mm. So the idea that this is here makes me want to, if I'm honest, like, lick the salt off the top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, There's no barrier, but... <laughs> yeah, I won't do it. When I started reading my own poems, I was too intimidated to go through the door of the poetry cafe in London and then when I went into it for the first time this when I was 25 I wasn't you know young young I saw that the poetry reading was downstairs but because I couldn't see what was downstairs and there was not a sign that said come in like everybody can come here you're allowed to come to a poetry reading I didn't go down so that was like the next hurdle um, and then even after I'd been reading poems in theatres and different artsy sort of spaces for a couple of years when I went to a poetry gig that I was headlining at when the woman on the door told me it was like seven pounds to get in I panicked and paid to get into my (laughs) own gig (laughs) because I was still intimidated by these places and it's so silly like um, I paid for my own gig and then the organizer of the event saw me doing it which made it even worse shouted holly what are you doing? Have you just paid to come in? I was like, I didn't know what to do. And I didn't want to say, oh, excuse me. Actually, I'm headlining because I felt like an idiot saying something like that. So, yeah. I'd <laughs> so, I, lo- I, like, I just think anything that tells people that you can come into a place is important. Yeah, we want to make art accessible and... In fact, between these two pillars when we moved in was a massive counter that was there from when the library was used it was the council library and we whipped it out straight away because we were just like everything that we do is about making things more accessible yeah. and whether so it's thinking about like literally physical access or what does having a barrier communicate to people in fact thinking back to our history right our origins was about making art and culture accessible to more people and that not only that people should be going and enjoying art and culture but producing it regardless of their background yeah. um and I think hopefully things have changed, but there's still, yeah, there still are barriers to... Yeah. That's to me what Glasgow Women's Library is. It's a place that breaks down the barriers and the disciplines and the boundaries and the borders and the rigid lines that we have between yes. one thing and another, you know. Um, so that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons I absolutely love this place and wanted to introduce it to you, Holly. Yeah, nice. Every time I do a gig and it's got any... It, well, I find if it's got the word women in the title, I don't see a lot of men coming in maybe that's changing but in my circles of like family and stuff I it's that sort of stereotype if it's got women in it but that's I think it's important to change that is yeah you know we've had to learn about men's history our whole lives and that is still like the default in terms of like what we learn at history or history of art or literature and women's contributions are as important as and vital and yeah boys need to grow up learning that women can you know women have done and are doing Amazing things, and so I think it's as important for girls and boys to know about the the wide range of women's achievements and contributions to culture and art and science and everything. I'm really excited to bring my daughter here now because I'm desperate for her not to... I guess see it with my grandma and then my mum, like every generation we've sort of learnt more and more of the real history, I'd say, and the real side of literature and the real, you know, more diverse more equal side of things like that she's nine she's nine she's nine now and I just think I I just 
don't want her to have a 95% male white curriculum anymore. So the idea of bringing her into here to choose a book from here would be lovely, which I'll, I'll, I'll do the next time I'm up. Yeah, that's the other thing that's really fantastic because there's so many writers, women writers collected here yeah. and from all around the world and you don't, it's a one time you don't really feel underrepresented as a black <laughs> Scottish writer. Not that there's loads of black Scottish writers <laughs> here actually, <laughs> yes, but, but there's loads of black women writers um, from all over the world here, which makes you feel you know, like you're not being excluded, that you're oh, part of something. That you can breathe it, out. It's so easy to find. Yeah. It's like everything just uh, being there without having to hoard through pages. I know, I know, but it made me think, God, if I'd had this place when I was a child, my whole childhood would have been very different. Uh-huh. You know, because when I um, had to kind of take any kind of racist abuse or whatever and I'd go home and tell my my mum about it if she'd had a place like this to, to bring me yeah. where there's all the you know, did you see that children's book of Maya Angelou uh-huh, that part yeah. of that series and Brilliant. I mean where there's all sorts of positive role yeah. models and positive ways of, of looking at your own identity well, it would nice. have been a whole different childhood it would have been a whole yeah. different experience and you we girls my colour isn't she around yeah, my colour so she, she's going to get a whole different sense of you know of, of coming here so I kind of I, I kind think of it would like be, that yeah yeah, I like it as well. And it's so oh, not tiring because obviously you do it, but it's just a bit depressing. Like ev- everything you buy for, or everything I buy, I can't speak for everyone, like, but I imagine your mum was quite similar. But whenever you go into a toy store or a bookstore or, or the, you know, the library near me, we go to the library all the time. And I used to love it before she picked out her own book because I could cherry pick ones with, Black a little girl yeah color. yeah mm-hmm. exactly and and coming into here it, it yeah it would just be brilliant for that to be normal that to just be the norm So we're in the the main room here where they have events. It's a huge, big room, really, really beautiful. And uh, and it's very thrilling for me or exciting because it's one of my poems on the wall here that went with this exhibition. I didn't know it was yours. How exciting. Yeah. I, oh. From the exhibition with Hannah Leighton Boyce and Ruth Barker. Amazing. And so and because these two artists had such an affinity with each other, uh-huh. uh, uh, and they, they, they started to work very differently, very different approaches, but around, around the, the connections, really. I thought I would write three three different poems called um, All Called Affinity. And so this one was the first one, and it was really about... It's about um, somebody who feels bipolar, who feels that they're um, feeling one one way one minute and the other way the next minute. Um, I just love it that it's on the wall. I love it when poetry comes out of a book, whether that's in a reading or online or whatever, but I love public art that's got it. There's so many big poems in, in buildings on Sheffield by Simon Armitage, and I love them, and just... Yeah, I just like it. I like public art like that. I think poetry should be all over the place. I'll just read a wee bit of this poem because uh, the voice is particularly Glaswegian. Uh-huh. Aha, <laughs> I can see it, but I can do it myself. <laughs> It was because I was high yesterday that I had to come down the day. That's the way of it. One minute you're all smiley, killing yourself. Next you're killing yourself. Like a big bairn, greeting salty tears pouring down your cheeks in the rain. You're sinking and you try and say ying and yang. You try and say it's no that black and white. It's all the in-betweens. But at night you could do and wait for the morning. But it doesn't come only time soon. But one thing, you're no alone, Ken. Others hear the same thing in the swing swing. 
Beautiful. Huh? It's easier to read the whole thing than to stop myself there. And right here, there's a there's a, a photograph by Ruth Barker. So she's the other artist, and she uh-huh. had terrible postnatal depression straight yeah. after she um, had her baby, and she was shocked by that. She hadn't expected to have it. So in this photograph, she's breastfeeding, and in this one, she's kind of erased herself because the the, the idea behind this was that motherhood initially for her yeah. was an erasure. It made her feel invisible. Well, for so many people as well, isn't it? That's something that's, well, it's just only starting, I think, to be talked about more and more in public. Yeah, so there's two photographs, aren't there, that are just the same, but one of them's sort of ripped up more, and it's the, the mother, the woman, the artist, Ruth, breastfeeding her baby, and she's, well, naked from the top up anyway, and staring, I think she's staring at herself in the camera, she's taking the picture, and the little baby... <laughs> as little babies are, is just calmly drinking. Whereas, yeah, there's obviously a lot of different thoughts going through the mother's head, whereas the babies are always, well, fine about all of this. I love the fact that it's that she's left in, the, the fact that it's a selfie. And because she could have easily, like a lot of people do when they take a selfie of themselves, try and chop their arm out so it somehow looks like someone else has shot it. Especially because motherhood, I think a lot of the time, the mum doesn't get a picture taken of them with the baby. It's been talked about quite a lot. And that you're, you're sort of on your own a lot. So all these things that you did with your kid at first, they're often not documented. Um, so yeah, I love, I love that about it. Like writing about motherhood and lots of things to do with becoming a mum I guess it's kind of young mum I get classed as but I was 20 26 not I don't know but I don't think I realized maybe because I'm not that well read to be honest I've, I've read a lot but I used to read factual books so in terms of like fiction I don't think I'm as well read as I should, maybe I should be or I'm not sure so when people did start relating to the poems about motherhood and saying oh it's not a really written about topic I think it shocked me. Like, I don't think I realised that there was this gap in a lot of writing about motherhood um, or poetry about motherhood. And actually, when, when I was trying to get the book published or the agent who wanted it to be published, didn't really know why she so wanted it to be published. And people were coming back saying, oh, but if you're going to have a book about motherhood, it's, it's a how-to guide that sells you know, like these sort of parenting guides about, I don't know, how to feed your kid. But poetry and motherhood mixed was just a sort of no-go area. So this I find really fascinating because it's a model house made by South Asian women um, in Glasgow that came here between the 1950s and the 1970s, mostly from the Punjab. And they, they came here and they missed, they missed home and they felt that kind of, you know, that, that nostalgia. And so they set up this extraordinary project at Glasgow Women's Library to recreate their home. And so the women all worked together. They're all elderly women uh-huh. and they all worked together to create this. And it's pretty fantastic. But Holly, can you, what, what do you uh, see? So that, well, I, I'm a wee bit obsessed with sort of dolls' houses and things. What I love about it is that it's open-topped because I can't stand it really when you get things like this and you can't see in it. So it's a house and you can you can just peer from the top, covered in glass, and you can see everything going on inside it, sort of spy on the different rooms. So there's the bedrooms. And then I don't know what this room is over here, like a storeroom, a pantry, I imagine. Little boxes of lentils, bags of, bags of rice, and then this, the main sort of living space. And then is that, if I peer over the top, are those animals in there? Yeah, they are, aren't they? 
I love the fact that the women are all sitting around together, chatting, I imagine. The details that I love, all these sort of plates and gold vases and things in the bedroom, and yeah, down to the washing hanging up. You wrote a poem. Was the poem based on the house, or was the poem based on talking to the women themselves? The poem was based on the house, and then reading about the experience, it inspired me, the idea of these older women coming together to recreate home. I've always been fascinated as a writer with notions of home, and what home means, if it's where the heart is, or if it's not. So Model House, Glasgow, by Jackie Kay. Carry your home in your head, your heart, and make it again with your mind's eye. Lay out the panday, hang up the pada, look at your smiling face in the shisha. The patang, the bolti, the baria. Covers on the manji, brightly there. Home is what the heart remembers. Here you are, back safe, September. And the buwe kuwa kare, everything is as it should be. You see the goat in the malkama. And now you don't forget to remember. You build the ping, you climb the puri, you drill the window, you paint the walls, you hang your washing on the rassi. Nothing's been forgotten at all. I think so often, with stories of migration and movement, people always seem to forget that there was a life before. As if, I think it's that arrogance of like why people assume somebody might have moved country and they forget that, there was a happiness before and there was a life and there were friends and there was, you know, all the little details are so important. There, there, there was washing hung up, there were conversations, there was chatting, there was family, there was life, there were friends. Um, I think that's what's, what struck me about oh, this. that's nice. Well, that's exactly what I wanted to try and capture. Hi, my name's Jenny Noble and I'm the museum curator here at Glasgow Women's Library. So it's really nice of you to, to, to talk to us, Jenny, and I'm just really interested to know what you love about this place. Where to start? <laughs> um, I was desperate to work here from the moment I set foot in the place and I spent two years waiting for a job to come up. Really? So when I saw the position of museum curator, I jumped at it and I feel really privileged to be here. And the archives and museum collections are absolutely amazing. There's so much to see here. And I love the approach that everything we do here utilises the collections in some way, whether it's artists being inspired by them, whether yeah. it's women um, improving their literacy skills and whether they're taking part in crafty workshops or developing drama sessions or just boosting their confidence in different ways or actually helping us to um, work with the collections themselves there's just so much going on here it's just a really exciting place to be (laughs) but you can see here we've got these lovely new display units Um, they've just been with us for about a fortnight Um, nice yeah they are very spanking brand new aren't they because they're class 28 do you remember class 28 you're probably too young for class 28 so we've got one of these lovely, lovely light wood um, display cabinet, which really kind of looks like a chest of drawers. And inside there's three different leaflets. And the middle one says, Clause 28, Legalised Prejudice? Question mark. Friday 29th April, 7 o'clock. And that's an event at Lambeth Town Hall, SW2. Section 28 was a law brought in by Margaret Thatcher's Conservative government in 1988, which said that local authorities shall not intentionally promote homosexuality or publish material with the intention of promoting homosexuality or promote the teaching of the acceptability of homosexuality as a pretended family relationship. And the fight against Section 28 was one of the most fiercely fought lesbian and gay rights campaigns in British history. The new Scottish government, then the Scottish executive, abolished Section 28 in 2000 and the UK Labour government 
followed in 2003. Now, it's really interesting to me here that the thing that you learn is it took a whole three years. That's exactly what I was thinking about, yeah, Scotland leading the way again. It happens quite a lot in social issues, I think. Sort of brings it to life, doesn't it, seeing something like this, all the leaflets for the actual events going on? Yeah, I think the great thing about our collections are that they are gathered from everyday folk so they do represent the grassroots movements that are happening all over the country so obviously we're a a Glasgow organisation we're based here but our collections do take in women from across Scotland and actually further afield sometimes into the UK and even international if it links into here. But also just round the corner here there's a whole lesbian archive it's really amazing and it's full of books, novels, poetry, plays, non-fiction by lesbians from all over the world. Um, And there's also several lovely coloured green boxes here, a pale minty green really, Mm -hmm. that look quite classy. And they're full of duplicate copies of various different magazines from Spare Rib to Conditions 5 to all of the rest of the different magazines that lesbians like to read in the 70s and 80s and a lot of it takes me really back because it's actually like looking at my bookshelves from home so I've got a bloody lesbian archive at home because it's really it's really funny and so I remember a lot of the a lot of the titles here are exactly ones that I had because you know when um, when I was a, a young lesbian on the block and a young lesbian mum on the block there weren't that many um, other women that I met that also had kids and and um, and so books we're real company and uh, solace, yeah. companionship. And that's something that's echoed by a lot of people that come in here. They do have a look and a lot of women feel the same way about the, the book titles when they see them. There's always some that bring back memories or comfort to them of maybe difficult times or challenging times. So, yeah, it's great. So would a lot of these books not have been in libraries or just been so hard to find? A or a bit of both. Yeah, a lot of them would be all, almost impossible to find unless you went into a specialist feminist bookshop like Sister Right or Silver Moon or mm-hmm. a bookshop that had a big feminist section like Compendium or today's alternative bookshops like The Lighthouse in, uh-huh. in Edinburgh or um, The Golden Hair. You had to really, really look, look for, for alternative um, books and to hear alternative stories. Um, it's now, I think, easier to get your hands on books like like this, but actually then in this in the late 70s early 80s you really had to to search yeah imagine like thinking well that the lesbian parenting book without well without internet I guess I sort of forgotten the idea of looking for books without being able to just find whatever you want online and having to go into places so this is one of my um, favorite books because she's one of my favorite singers Bessie Smith the blues singer Bessie had lots of lesbian relationships uh-huh. but and she had a, a, a passionate affair with her husband Jack's niece and uh, she travelled about the country in her own Pullman train. Anyway, I remember reading a biography of her when I was 14 yeah. and coming across this kind of black lesbian that had sex in her own train. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> How cool is that? That's not the standard story that you were hearing at that time. I just love the fact that as soon as you put lesbian writers together, stories about lesbians together, that like any group that's been stereotyped, it's so nice to just see the diversity of titles. It's like from War of Words to, like you're saying, the sort of funnier titles to understanding cystitis. I'd quite like. 
quite like to read that one myself. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, there's the book. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Lesbian Archive is it's really wide-reaching and sometimes people are surprised. Maybe it's not all just about lesbian sex. It's not at all. It's about people's lives. And it's ridiculous, isn't it? That that would be the first thing. Yes, but where is the lesbian sex? Shall we go through now, I think, and see the store, the archive? Because this is where all the stuff is kept that people have to make an appointment to book to come and see. Oh, so you can still see it, though? You can still see it and you can still get it out. You can still make an appointment to get that stuff out, can't you, Jenny? Yes, um, we often have researchers like today, as I say, we've brought material out with an appointment that's made in advance so that people can sit and take their time to look through material that um, interests them. But we also do tours of the store as well. So if we have a group of visitors in, um, some of our staff or volunteers will very often allow access to the store so that people get a peek behind the scenes as well. So do you want to pop through the night? Yeah, love to. Thanks. Okay, so this is our fully archivally controlled archive store. I was not expecting it to look so organised and... (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, This is the first time that the Glasgow Women's Library has actually had a proper archive store um, in its existence. So it's just great. We've got proper... Um, roller shelving here and we've got archival standard boxes it's kept to um, a constant temperature and the humidity levels are checked as well um, so that we can look after the collections to the best of our abilities. Excess clothes and paintings and pictures and posters and more houses and picket signs and it's amazing isn't it? I can see boxes upon boxes but it looks very neatly organised and I can see clothes a rise up woman book other other model houses as well which is lovely but mainly so turn into one side we've got the clothes and t-shirts and I don't know if that's a is that a nurse's uniform or is it a... yeah that's a very special nurse's uniform um it was worn during the opening ceremony of the olympics so danny boyle's um tribute to the nhs oh really and it was worn by one of the roller derby players so she was wearing skates at the same time oh, as she okay, had the nurse's nice. uniform on oh, i've actually got my roller skates up with me while i'm here and lots of placards, painted placards and, and flags. And then on the other side, it's the, I guess, the, the written store, is it? What are, the, um, what are the, the boxes full of? The boxes are full of everything. So we have archival material, papers um, relating to campaigns like the Scottish abortion campaign, zero tolerance. Uh-huh. Um, we've got papers relating to individual women. Um, we have got books which are maybe rarer or more significant that we want to look after more carefully than just having them in the lending library we've got suffragette postcards and jewelry we have knitting patterns yeah i think it's amazing in here because just the idea of women's work finally being taken properly seriously and this archive being kept properly in a proper archive boxes proper uh, temperature the whole lot so, Holly, what's your thoughts on the Glasgow Women's Library? Is it somewhere you'd want to come back to? Yeah, it's somewhere that I'm going to stay now <laughs> and actually not cool. leave for a little while because genuinely I've, I've, I've never been somewhere where women is the default and there's so many different sections within that. It's always been in a place where this is the women's section whereas the whole thing's the women's section and it's... It's just lovely. So I'm I'm basically going to have a, 
another cup of tea. I've had about four already, but I'm going to have another cup and just sit here for a while longer. Oh, fantastic. Thank Result. you so much. Result. Thank you so much oh, for been, bringing me. It's been a total pleasure showing you around. And um, it's, just been, it's just been lovely. And it's funny because when you come here, um, whether you're young, whether you're a girl, whether you're an older woman, whatever, it's very empowering. You leave buzzing because yeah. you feel like a whole load of other women have clapped you. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like that. <laughs> it's applause. It's and applause. Th- there's so much that I don't know about. It's also made me feel like that. Mm. Like the lesbian archive is like, I don't know about that and I'd like to read more of that and the model house I don't know what it's like to be a migrant woman so all, all the different things as well it's made me want to learn more but it's Fantastic. also made me love Glasgow Fantastic. a wee bit more like my, my parents are from Glasgow and this is this is added to my sort of romanticism of the city I think Fantastic. <laughs> thanks for listening to me Holly McNish and me Jackie Kay at the Glasgow Women's Library This was Meet Me at the Museum. Please like and subscribe to the podcast. Don't forget, if you've got an art pass, you can get free entry or discounts in museums all around the country. 